Welcome to For the Love of Kids. I'm your host, Stephanie Jane Bennett, and this is a parenting podcast about how we navigate life from all sides of parenthood. We are living in a digital world that's rich with parenting knowledge and information, with so many tips and hacks filling our social media feeds, and so many ways for kids to play, watch, and learn new things. But how do we choose which advice to follow, which shows to watch, and how to raise our kids? As a strategist at the full-service kids and family agency, Kids Know Best, Zamil Zareen is a strategist who has worked across 360 campaigns with brands such as Lego, Hasbro, and E1. He's delivered effective digital campaigns, reaching parents, kids, and teens. And today he chats to me about what really captures and captivates their hearts and minds. As a guy in his twenties, we talk about how the TikTok algorithm has seriously shifted for him. And also how he sees Christmas with his daughter, his first Christmas with his daughter, in fact, Uh, panning out and what's going to top the trends with kids and family this year. Join us now. Let's begin. Hello and welcome to For the Love of Kids. I am joined today by the lovely Zamil Zareen and we are going to be talking to you about life as a new parent, um, his work in a major little agency called Kids Know Best and what it's like to be a strategist and tips and tricks about what he has learned in his work and applied to parenting. So Zamil, welcome. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. I am a strategist at Kids Know Best. We're a kids and family marketing agency. We do the full service. Uh, we do research, speak to kids all the time. And that's one of like the best parts about the job. I get to speak directly to kids and understand exactly what they like and love and hate and they're so uncensored with what they say and you get some beautiful little nuggets from them here and there, which is, which is really, 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 really cool. And then what I do as my day job as outside of that fun part is um, basically apply that knowledge and like build strategies for brands. Um, and I've worked, been lucky enough to work with brands like Hasbro, Lego, Disney, brands that if I was, you know, 15, 20 years younger, I would be pinching myself. I'd be like, wowza, I got to work with those brands. Um, so yeah, a lot of fun. And I think the kids and family space, if you still have that kid inside you, it's it's a it's a proper fun space to be in. It's, oh my goodness, definitely. It's um, having that ability to kind of tap into the the childlike innocence within you and bring yeah. that to a campaign or to a kind of like a product launch or something like that. Um, I'm very much a big kid myself, even though I'm kind of, I'm heading towards 44 in the new year. Um, But I think having a child has really brought that out in me so much more and to be more playful. But but you're a new dad, aren't you? Yeah, so it's it's really, really funny. So I obviously had my child in April. She's seven months now. Um, Time's flown past. They always say it's going to fly past. I always see all the the TikToks and the, I, I've noticed that my TikTok and Instagram real algorithm has completely changed now. Before it was all around like Marvel movies, advertising, all this stuff, right? Now it's like, here's three ways to survive as a dad in 2023. You know, things like that is coming up. But like, yeah, I've, I've, my daughter is now seven months old. And I suppose like a bit of a, a bit of background into like me being a parent, I, I suppose in, 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 in a sense, it's quite like, uh, generic, I suppose. Uh, I got married a couple of years ago, um, and then we were like, "Should we have a kid?" And then we have the kid. Um, one one thing that I find like really, really fun, like a little mini story within my family, I suppose, is my family. My side is made up of all boys. Um, literally, like there's like ten boys and like four nephews and one niece, right? And we've only got one niece. And then my wife's side is all girls, and there's only one boy. So it was kind of like a battle of families. They're like, what is it going to be? Is it going to be a boy or a girl? Uh, and then we had a girl. And then for my family, they were like, oh, yes, we finally got another girl, finally. Uh, whereas the other family was like, oh, okay, that's fine. We still love the baby, of course. It's, yeah, it was, it was a fun little game. We, had, and we kept it a secret and uh, not told anyone. And yeah, I, I, that's, that's one thing that like, I always wanted to understand from different people. Joel, my CEO, he told me this one thing, right? 
and it really resonated with me and I was like maybe I should have just kept it a secret for myself as well he said in life there's only a few surprises that you ever get in life right and like that is Mm -hmm. one that is like a genuine surprise like when you have a surprise birthday party surprise whatever there's a bit of an inkling you know something you know you know it's your birthday you know it's like your anniversary right so something may happen whereas when you have like the baby and then you you maybe you're like oh that's like it's a boy or it's a girl or whatever right and you're like that's like a genuine surprise and and then joel said that to me i was like you know what if i have another child um i might keep it a secret for myself as well yeah that's so interesting and it's so true as well i i have to say i took the complete opposite approach i like to be in control and because i took my journey solo i wanted to be ahead of time and I don't want to call my my daughter a brand, but I wanted to plan who she was and what she might yeah. be and how, <laughs> how her life might be in my head to kind of visualize it to help me avoid any shocks or stress. And I'm not to say that a girl or a boy would be one or the other. In fact, I was absolutely convinced I was having a boy. And so when I had my 20 week scan and they said to me, oh, it's a girl. I bet you're delighted. I went, oh, is it? They're like, are you disappointed? I was like, I don't know how I feel. I've already picked his name out. (laughs) Um, I'm kind of like rediscovering names and lists. And it was so much harder from a girl's perspective. So my my chosen name, where it it had been a boy, was Mateo. And I remember saying to one of my friends, well, Matea is a girl's name as well. And she's like, you cannot call a little girl Matea. And I, I, I mulled on it and I was like, okay. <laughs> and I literally just saw someone on Instagram pop up on my algorithm this morning and their name was Matea. I was like, oh, oh wow. yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you, you know, you mentioned there, like you were sort of planning ahead, right? And like, and I suppose that like as a strategist, right? And especially working at a kid's agency, like there's so much information I knew about, I suppose, children maybe not that early, early, like, you know, first year um, section, um, but, like, just generally, like, how much I knew about kids. And, like, I used to be, I suppose, the uncle to my nephews and nieces where they they would be in their world of, like, Fortnite or in their world of LOL Surprise, and I would come to them and be like, have you heard of this thing? And they'd be like, oh, you know this thing. You're the cool uncle. You know about all this stuff that I like, right? And so I knew about all these things, right? And, like, I put, I suppose there's elements in my parenthood or parenting um where do i do put that like strategist helmet on where i'm like hmm, how can we like hack or framework this next stage of development you know like okay she's starting to wean how can we do this like what 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 stages can we do to then get her to wean and then i know it's as simple as just give her some food and she'll get like having it (laughs) but i'm like wait let's start with let's start with some yogurt first and then let's move our way up to like maybe some pastas and then and then sort of go through stages like that and like I, I don't know about you but like yeah like when it comes to like moving from work to like that parent parenting I started applying things that I do in like my work life uh, to parenting I, I don't know if you had this right like especially when it comes to like the feeding stage like everyone every parent around me who's already passed that stage was like wait until you get to the egg custard that, that stuff's the good stuff because I assume some parents, <laughs> some parents like taste the food, right, or whatever. Um, I, I I just had a little little tiny bit just to like see if it is actually worth the hype. Well, the egg custard, uh, baby food is pretty decent. Like I I used to always yeah. think, even as like a little kid, like baby food is just like muck. You know, like it's just like things cobbled together and just like fed to a baby. Um, but that egg custard stuff actually tasted pretty decent. Yeah, that's that's one stage we're going through right now, which is a teeth is going to pop up, pop out at some point, and we're just waiting and watching because she, um, she's yeah. drooling quite a bit and constantly gnawing on stuff, right? And we're like, okay, when's that one coming? When is it coming? And I, you know, as a strategist again, I I do too much reading into stuff, and so I've seen like, oh, it should be the bottom two teeth that comes first, but it seems like it might be like one of the top teeth that comes out first. I'm like, whoa, what does that mean? Is, does that mean? something's wrong you know stuff like that um and you know you, I've, I've become a little bit of a warrior as well um but yeah it's all fun and games isn't it like yeah I, I started working at 
when I was like 13, 14, just helping out like my family, like my dad's business. And I was just helping out there and that I sort of continue to do so. And I sort of had like early experience of like work and what it took to, you know, earn money, save money and all that stuff. All the all those key, you know, milestones for a young person, I suppose. And then um, again, like I was super like head down. I just constantly just worked um, pretty much. And then even when I went to sixth form college, I was working, doing bits and bobs here and there. Uh, always interested in like tech uh, and you know startups and entrepreneurship and stuff like that um, and constantly working right and then to the point where I was like you know doing work at like 1 2 a.m in the morning just because it's not because I had to it's because I didn't mind doing it this is how I can put it really and then after that uh, once obviously once I got married that was like a different perspective change as well because it's like oh, I've got someone to look after now and they have to look after we have to look after each other and like spend time with one another and things like that and that put a great perspective on my life as well which is which gave me like this idea of I'm doing this for someone not just for myself uh, and then once you have the baby and when you hold I still remember it was April and I was holding her in her arms and I was like, holy holy smokes like this nothing else matters like nothing else matters everything I do is for you you're going to get everything that all the good things I do you're going to get it and that's all that matters and like that's really really like changed the perspective and it made me want to work harder and then also find the balance of like spending more time with her if that makes sense as well um which is like a hard balance right where I suppose we're in a world where it we're told that if you work harder it'll be more you'll get more out of it um but if you work harder the, the more time you spend on it and the less time you spend on th- with the people you love right and so that's like a balance that I'm trying to figure out at the moment especially as like a first year dad like how do I do that how do I make their lives better whilst also maintaining a a good balance with like family life it's so beautiful to listen to that because you you are quite young and you've yet you've already gone through two major seasons in your life uh, marriage and parenting and you're exploring and learning about all of those things all at once and you know I completely empathize with having got the partner so I can't empathize on that Mm -hmm. side but I empathize so much with the notion of uh, everything I give I give to you like it's you have that really humbling moment when your child comes into the world and they're so vulnerable and completely and utterly dependent on you to look after them and raise them and care for them and it's like nothing else in the world there you know it doesn't matter the greatest love of your life you feel something like that but to have your own flesh and blood is something or a child that you fall in love with if you are an adoptive parent for example it's just like nothing else absolutely nothing else yeah like yeah it's it's incomparable I think obviously I'm only 26 at the moment so I've got plenty of life yet to live but I feel like I've got to a point where it's like okay this is the goal now like this is like you know they say in like your 20s you're kind of finding yourself and and like positioning yourself for your 30s and the 30s is where you start like focusing and stuff like that but I feel like I know now like that is what it's for for my kids like whatever I do it's for them and like even if I become like you know a crazy strategist who goes all over the world and like does strategist stuff (laughs) um like cool strategist (laughs) stuff um then whatever comes out of that is for them or even if I leave that and like I become I don't know like let's just say I become like a children's book author or something like that like it's for them and like I write for them or about them and things like that so I I feel like I'm molding into that section of my life now but uh if if you like know me uh personally like a lot of people at KKB have known me since so I actually started at Kids Know Best when I was 20 years old so they've known me since I was pretty much like out of uni, I suppose as a kid in, in some of their um, uh, respects, right? Um, and they sort of see me grow up in front of them and like all these different shifts and changes have happened. And so I, I, I tend to be the person who's like quite like young, but like is doing things that like probably like a 31, 32 year old will do I'm just because I don't know why. It's just my life has panned out that way. Um, and so perhaps like maybe I'm like jumping too far ahead right now and saying this is this is what it is but um, 
but it feels like it, you know, once you have a family. Oh, definitely. It's, and it's, it's really interesting around the, you know, the point around your, you're in your twenties and you're kind of like, you're looking at things through a, through that lens of where other people might be in the, in the future. You know, I was 40 when I was pregnant, but you have the future ready and set up. So how, as a strategist and as someone who has researched and been around parents in groups, uh, you're kind of like, um, you're focusing on what the the next big thing is. How have you kind of like found your channeling that energy and that knowledge into who you might become as a parent and what matters to you? Yeah, so through Kids Know Best, I've been able to speak to like so many different types of parents. Uh, you can call them like different archetypes uh, as well. You know, like there's the easygoing parents, there's the, you know, super strict parents, there's the um, fair, for firm but fair parents, you know, all different types of parenting styles and just generally how they, their outlook on kids. Like one core thing that I can like relate to is the iPad, the infamous iPad, right? Where it's it's really interesting. So like I feel like my generation of parents are more um what would you call it restrictive in terms of technology than I suppose the generation before me. Um which is which I find super interesting, perhaps because I like like an, an example of this is like I sometimes feel like when I was younger my parents should really be looking after me in terms of like technology, right? Parents and looking after their kids, right? But because I was so tech savvy, my generation was so digital native, I felt like I had to make sure my parents were not clicking on the wrong things on the internet, you know? Mm-hmm. And so growing up like that as a digital native made me more aware of like what's out there, what you, what like the wrong things as well as like the good things. So I think that's, a positive sign for me in terms of like the application of what I've learned from different parents. So like, for example, I remember I met, uh, I was out on a shoot, right? I was on set and there was about four kids there and they were all playing like different roles on, on set and stuff. And three of the kids, when they had their like breaks, they were all on their iPads, just hanging out, having snacks, apples. Whereas there's one boy and his mum would just not give him an iPad or a phone on anything. Um, he didn't bring toys. He was a bit too old for toys. And so he was walking around the set, like talking to everyone and like trying to, he just wanted to play. He just wanted someone to play with. And I find that super cute. And like how that, how that, even on that set, it was like different um, parenting styles caught there as well. And like, obviously some people found that quite frustrating because say you had to do something on, on the camera and this little boy is trying to like play with you and it's quite difficult, right? But you have to find like the innocence and like the positives in that as well, which is like, he's just trying to use his imagination, like in, like in the in that scenario and I really love that and whereas like the other kids after they watched something on the iPad they came back and told me like this crazy fact that they just learned on a video that they saw so there was like both ends of the spectrum there like both positives and also the negative side of things that I saw and I think like as a parent and like me and my wife talk about this all the time like are we going to be and like there's TikToks about this as well right and Instagram reels like are you going to be the parent that gives your kid an iPad straight away and you're like, no, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. <laughs> and then and then it cuts to like two months later and you're like, here you go. Here we go. There you go. Have an iPad. One for you, one for you. Um, I don't know like what I'm going to be when it comes to that. Like we already like sometimes put her in front of the TV if we need to like quickly do something in the kitchen when it's like an emergency slash like dangerous activity, right? Where you have to cook something. Um and and things like that so we we do need some sort of like distracting factors within that it's the same i feel like it's the same concept as when you you know used to give your kid a toy and they used to play with the toy right mm-hmm. i think it's similar um uh use cases of that but like overall like what i've learned from kkb i'm definitely applying certain things here and there to like how i'm building i suppose like the development of my child and things like that um, but very honestly, it's if I was to put it in cent- the percentages, like twenty percent is that, and eighty percent is I'm just I'm just figuring it as I go along. <laughs> Don't worry, I think that's pre- a pretty fair estimation of like percentages for most of us, if not all of us. There's always going to be something that you kind of know, and you know you've got. It's quite 
similar for all parents, but honestly, because it's your own world, your own environment, your own kind of like nuances and personalities, uh, your own desires for what your you want to become and what you you want to your children to have, you're n- always going to be learning, always, always, always. And I have to say, I think I'm trying to work out when it was that I gave Naomi access to the little iPad, but I think it was probably just after maybe like 18 months. Um, She says, I've got like a very old school, first generation iPad mini. Um, So you you can't download like current apps, which is annoying, (laughs) but there's a lot of really retro, simple games and they are really educational and practical so sorting shapes and from different mm. colors and moving things around and understanding how that works or coloring books but actually within the iPads there's no mess mm, exactly. <laughs> um, you don't lose the crayon it's uh, it's all good um and so she really learns lots both in motor skills like developmentally um what she likes what she doesn't language there's so many things that i can see her really productively getting out of having technology and you know I, I in my generation it was the originally the Amstrad um for anybody who's old enough to remember those um where we used to have like a little cassette if you need to google cassette it's um <laughs> this little plastic thing with wheels with <laughs> I know my nieces and nephews did that to me though it was a cassette but yeah, you put a cassette in and you had your keyboard and I had um, a decathlon game from the Olympics and you had to kick the keyboard really, really fast to make uh-huh. him run. Um, whereas now it's much more complex, but, you know, it much more sophisticated and it's come on such a, a lovely way that, you know, you can, like I say, you can learn language, you can learn skills, drawing, um, all sorts and she absolutely adores it but I guess the same goes for things like YouTube for kids and stuff like that where you you do have some boundaries and some, param- some parameters to kind of make it a little bit of a safer environment but even that like my I think it's my cousin his little boy learnt to speak I think it was like French um, alphabet before he was two because he'd wow. been watching these videos on YouTube. One thing that I want to take away from like what you just said about kids learning languages right like one thing that we've seen and I, I get to see it also because I'm lucky enough to like have nieces and nephews who I always ask questions to as well um, is they, they because it's such an online world now, like everything is online. Like I remember when I was growing up, I even had friends that I'd never met in real life. I just used to play, you know, Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto with them. And I just used to hear their voice. Right. And they used to be from like, the west coast or something like that and like i would never know them i just knew them as their gamer tag uh, which was like west coast boy 25 or something like that right um <laughs> and so it, and even in my generation that was like a thing and now in this generation it's even more of a thing and of course there's like safeguards that we need to ensure that kids are not speaking to people who they shouldn't be speaking to and making keeping an eye on things like that but like when it when it comes to like different games right you you there's loads of like like my niece my my nephew for example he he used to play Fortnite with uh, a guy or not a guy like another boy his age uh, and he was from like he was from like North Africa or something and he did not know a word of English right this little boy and he was telling my nephew the story my nephew told me he said he didn't know English um, but he learned it because he used to watch all the YouTubers play Fortnite and he used to watch it on YouTube and he did, he used to know French, I think. And he learned English just by watching um, YouTube videos. And now he can go online and speak English. And so imagine that working in another sense, right? Like, let's just say, uh, like, let's just say Germany for, in, for the next mm-hmm. five years, they dominated like gaming YouTube or whatever. And all the German speaking YouTubers were like the best YouTubers to watch, right? And like all the kids, all of the UK kids are watching German YouTubers. I would probably say like by the end of those three four years like a lot of our kids would know German because that's how like kids are now picking up stuff and learning and taking stuff in and I found that super interesting the fact that this digital world and like we were, we were talking about it like the iPad scenario and like is it good is it bad right like there was this um show or series I haven't watched it but I saw like trailers of it on LinkedIn and YouTube it was called Square Eye but essentially it was everyone taking the mick out of the kids who watch T 
TVs because they all get square eyes and like it's bad for you. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. But then that kid who is watching TV all the time is learning about global warming. Is learning about all these things that maybe kids in the past may have not learned about. And now these that mm-hmm. kid who knows all this knowledge at such a young age is able to affect change as they grow up and know more things. I think when it comes to like digital and things like that, there's always going to be the negative side, but the positive side um, at the moment is that they can get download information into their minds, of course, based on truth. And there's always like fake news and things like that, but they can get this information and like start to like piece together things that they may have not been open to before, which I find like super interesting. And like, I don't know what you think about that. Like the, the ability to, just for like all this information just being out there and like kids seeing it of course there's the bad stuff but then there's the good stuff that they can see and formulate their their thoughts around yeah you i think with every generation there's going to be something that is a media grabbing sensationalist headline so whether it's like you're going to get square eyes or you're going to get a bad neck or you're you know you're going to learn about whatever it might be you know, there's. I remember seeing uh, a picture of a man reading a newspaper on the train, and they were like, "This is so bad for him because his head's down all the time." The other thing is, at the moment, is we're all understanding so much better how we learn. So there's lots of discussion, and you're, I'm sure you'll kind of get into this a lot more as well as our kids are kind of like developing around neurodiversity, for example, and looking and identifying how. Uh, rigid our education system has been and how it needs to change so that each and every one of us can get the best out of uh, the opportunity to learn so for me I'm definitely more of a visual um, interactive person so I I learn so much from I love watching a good documentary or biopic or you know digging into kind of things um, through the digital media world and I do love a good book but it's hard for me it's really hard unless I'm really into the subject or really into the story and it captures my imagination. I'm not a very good reader. So it's, it's knowing that all these different types of media and technology or, you know, access points for learning are out there. And yeah, I'm very pro allowing my daughter to kind of explore what works for her. Um, there's always going to be a bit of a limit and screen time does affect, you know, there is research to back up that it does affect things like sleep. My preference is not to go, you've got one hour of time to do this because I would never ask you, you've got one hour of time to watch that TV show because you know that Mm. TV show is an hour and a half. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, That's not fair. Immediately (laughs) your back's up. Um, The same way it's like uh, when you see kids and they're trying learning about sharing, and they said, right, we're going to take it away then, you know, but you know, they're fighting over this thing because they both absolutely want to play with it. So if I said to you, I'm taking your mobile phone away from you, you're like, that's my <laughs> lifeline. What are you doing? Yeah. And it's kind of like recognizing what does that mean to this tiny person? Um, and how would you feel in their, in their shoes as a way to kind of like to understand how you can then create a situation that is going to better solve your problem rather than go well if that's the if you're going to fight over it I'm just going to take it away or you know if you're going to just sit there and watch television you're going to become stupid because you know that you're never going to learn anything um it's yeah it's look it's being sensible with it but making sure that you're giving the kids around you to the chance to to learn and see and explore and find out what works for them 100 percent I, I think, like, I suppose a little bit into my background, like, I'm Sri Lankan, and my, I've come, obviously come from a South Asian background. My parents are born and raised there, and they moved here. And the, the way I was raised was with a bit, like, I suppose with discipline in terms of, like, being very regimented, which was, like, for example, say my friends are going to the cinema on Saturday, they could just go to the cinema, whereas I had to have to do, like, the three yeses. I needed to get the three yeses. So I had to get my dad to say yes. I need to get my mum to say yes. Then I had to get my eldest like sibling to also say yes. And obviously the eldest sibling was the easiest. My mum was second easiest and my dad was like difficult. Like it was tough to get him to say yes, but eventually he did say yes. Um, but like, I suppose I take 
elements of that discipline and something you know a lot of if you like a lot of south asian people would say it was way too much discipline but like some would say it did help me and i would say some of the discipline did definitely help me and so i would take an element of that and like what i've learned now at like kkb and working with like lots of different parents and speaking to kids is like sometimes just like listen to the kids speak you know just like listen mm-hmm. to the kids speak what do they have to say what do they want what do they need there right now and like as a parent how can you best provide that for them sometimes it may be the case that you have to go against what their wish is because their wish might just be like i want another four pieces of chocolate but you know that they're like all their molars are like literally rotting right here in front of you you can't give them another <laughs> four pieces of chocolate but what you can do is a, an alternative which is like make they obviously want the chocolate because they want to eat something sweet and it will give them a bit of energy. Why not just spend like an hour with them and give them that energy through like play or through like doing a quiz or like one game that I love playing with my nieces and nephews is like the A to Z game, right? Where it's like we have to name things starting with the letter. And then that game is like, like for everyone watching, like that game is like the best game ever to just like keep attention and like everyone does enjoy it, especially the kids, they do enjoy it. And you have like endless categories to play as well. So I think, I think as a, yeah, as a parent, like for me at least, like, I pull from, I mean, everyone does obviously, but like, I pull from like all these different sort of like parenting styles. There's like my parents, more disciplinarian version. And then there's like more openness and like listening from like what I've learned from parents I speak to on a daily basis. And then more of like the social media side, which is like, you know, you see a video where it's like, you know, not like right now, for example, or in the early couple of months um, where you're like, oh, I just need you to go to bed like because you've been crying all night, go to bed, go to bed, go to bed. And then on social media, you see a video of like someone posting a video of their child at one month and then they do like mm-hmm. the sad song transition and their child is all of a sudden one year old and then they're like, you're never going to get that moment of holding them like that ever again or that specific child and then i'm like holy shit like no don't go to bed stay here with me and i'm gonna keep you i'm gonna keep you awake and we're gonna spend some quality time together you know and so like there's all these different things and i think social media plays like a massive role on like parents as well like the aspirational side of things like without it i think we can only pull from what we know within a personal life but with it you can see how other parents do things. Like, I forget his um, profile. I think it's like Dad, Life of Dad or something. I think he did a partnership with Crayola. But it looks, it was super organic. What he did was he went to the shop, bought like all this Crayola stuff, a massive piece of white paper. He had a massive like dinner table and he rolled the whole white paper over the dinner table and just put all the coloring pencils, crayons, paint, watercolor, everything that you can like, paint or create with on the table and then he just surprised his daughter just walked in and she looked at him and she's like oh my god and then like that hour that they spent or two hours or however many it may be was like priceless because they just had like fun and and like i looked at that and i was like yep that's i'm adding that to my bucket list i'm going to do that at some point uh with my kid um, and social media plays such a massive role in that i think yeah absolutely i find my daughter is not someone who goes to sleep with soothing lullabies. She absolutely needs to be extremely high energy before she'll go to sleep. So instead of kind of like trying to kind of like calm her down, I ask her to jump on the bed or go, let's do head, shoulders, knees and toes or kick your legs, move your arms back because she just shakes. I I hate this song, but shake your wiggles out. Like she just kind of gets the energy out of her body and then she's like, okay, I'm asleep. (laughs) So instead of like doing the let's calm down, uh, like, yeah, getting to that point where it's like burning it, burning out and then having a really good sleep is really, really good. There is such a more open culture than there's ever been because so many people are sharing not only the, the glamorous highlights, the picture perfect baby dressed up with the headband and all the rest of it but they're sharing the ups and downs and the highs and lows and the realities of parenthood and so yeah I've absolutely learned so much from different kind of people that I followed watching um 
psychologists in particular, like talking about how uh, they are mothers and what, what they're kind of like learning from situations, the language that we should and shouldn't be using um, and how to apply it. But the the really th- big thing at the moment is we're in the run up to Christmas and I'm seeing things like Elf on the Shelf or, um, you know, like, should we or shouldn't we be talking about Santa to our children and using him mm. as a tool to make them behave better or not? And you suddenly start to question everything that was like known and normal in your kind of like childhood to then suddenly be like, is that appropriate? And you're questioning it. And so I don't have Elf on a Shelf at home. I do have Elfie, who just kind <laughs> of like potters around and had to go to nursery the other day. Um but I saw an absolutely disturbing um, elf on the shelf, which was the elf with a little note saying, I'm so sorry, I did build you a snowman, but he melted. And then there's just a bowl of water with googly eyes and a carrot <laughs> sat next to it. Just, That's a good one. That's, That's a great so one. <laughs> there, was, there was that um, one video I remember where I think elf on the shelf like drew like a, a moustache and like curly eyebrows on this little girl and um, she woke up and then she's like and I think she was northern and I, I, I'm probably going to butcher the accent but she was like nah I've got to go to school that looks like this I've got to go to school I mean I, I don't know if you've seen that video but that's such an iconic elf in the shelf video where she was just completely yeah. and like utterly like she was just like I can't believe you've done this <laughs> to your elf in the shelf and like she, she really had to go to school that morning, and she, she couldn't because he drew with permanent marker all over her face. Oh my gosh! I haven't seen that one, but I'm going to go look it up now. Yeah, I it's did see funny. one the other day though, which was uh, the dad had left a chunk of hair on the elf, um, and he'd shaved down the middle and to the side, so he had like this double Mohican thing going on with his hair, um, and the kids were. were sitting there going oh you know whose hair is that is it the dogs is it I think it looks like dad's hair you know and then they just like he's like morning how's it going like really cash <laughs> they're like oh my god oh my god dad oh my god what's he done to you <laughs> See, now that, so, that is like that is proper method I like that when you're when you're willing to do something to yourself just to get that little bit of spirit in there you know and that's that's the best totally part, Pure conviction. <laughs> but do you see any kind of like cool and interesting trends for in the in the kids space at the moment on the in the run up to this year's Christmas in twenty twenty three? What's cool? What's not? In in I suppose for Christmas this year, I'm I'm, I'm seeing a lot of like digital pets and I'm seeing a lot of like Roblox related things being transitioned into like you know physical things. So there's loads of games within Roblox that have now released like mini collectibles and uh, products from there. Like, for example, there's this YouTuber, her name is Apshmau, A-P-H-M-A-U. And she's like a Roblox slash Minecraft creator uh, from America. And she's released a, a range of plush toys and collectibles. And like, I'm seeing that being like all the rage at the moment amongst like fans. And just generally like people who watch minecraft content and she generally skews her content more towards girls but even like some of the some boys are playing with that product and getting that product which i found really interesting um but yeah like primarily it's like that shift from gaming into the real world again so like, you know how they went from real world to gaming like on offline to yeah. online we're, we're seeing a lot of like online to offline stuff now as well and I'm sure you've seen it. I think it came out officially today. Lego Fortnite. What Fortnite are doing, um, and it's 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 interesting because they're doing it right at the end of the year. So I'm sure in 2024 it's going to be the buzz. It's going to be the thing, the place to be. Uh, like Fortnite is essentially moving itself into becoming like not just a game. It's like the platform for people to come and play with. So like if you compare it to YouTube, YouTube is like the wall where everyone you can put all kinds of videos on it and you can go watch if you wanted to you can go watch a documentary on youtube or if you wanted to you can go watch someone do the cinnamon challenge on youtube right you can watch anything from a to z and so fortnite are trying to do that now as well and so 
um, what they've done is they've obviously got their normal game, Fortnite, which all the kids love, which is like, you know, survival amongst 100 people, which uh, I'm sure some people in the audience will know. And then now they're releasing like bits and bobs into it, which is like basically working with Lego. They're basically making like a Minecraft kind of game within Fortnite now. So they're trying to capture that audience with Lego, which is great because like Lego is Lego. Um, and then they're also doing like a music based element to their game as well now where you can have your own concerts, create your own music, all in one game. And then the fourth one is racing, which is like something that was always part of Fortnite in, in some sense. But I think this expansion that they, they're doing is like definitely one to like look at in 2024 because they've always said it they've always wanted to be the metaversal game and i know metaverse is like such a buzzword and i agree it's a buzzword at the moment but what they're trying to do of expanding a world or a game from one specific thing that you can do on it to now being able to do many different things on it quite simply without having to be like you know a tech wizard or anything you just go in and play um and while you do that, your mate can be dressed as Spider-Man and I can be dressed as Batman. And now we can create some content of Spider-Man and Batman playing or, you know, fighting with each other that, you know, the big brands can't do because they've got contracts or they can't do things like that. So Fortnite's really creating that sort of mishmash spot for like kids to just literally go and have fun. It's such a place of imagination, isn't it? I have to say, I've never played Fortnite, um, but I hear so much about it. And it's um, that you say that I love the way you describe YouTube as a wall. Because first yeah. at the beginning, it was like, oh my God, this is so cool because you can put anything up there. And I often reference back to a uh, a point in social media land where video was the next big thing is one, mm. one, of, one of the titles that I used for a trend talk and uh the magazine private eye mocked me and went mm. oh my god someone's got up in the middle of social media week and said videos are the expected thing yeah okay like we didn't already know that <laughs> and actually the depth of my my talk was not just the video itself but actually users creating video because at the time brand, uh, platforms like facebook and Instagram and things like that, they, they weren't video-led platforms from a user perspective. You might put a brand video up, but the big tipping point was things like the ALS challenge, where suddenly everybody was coerced into kind of creating something and putting up, and then you saw this massive like uptake of people just putting anything up there. Mm. And then like you get to a point like you know a few years later, we got lockdown, Instagram Live really took off. And, you know, this thing like Periscope and Meerkat all come and gone and live was knocking around, but it looked like it was about to get the boot off of Instagram. And then suddenly everyone's at home doing workouts during lockdown because it's on live. So we've got to do it right now. And so you see all these evolutions in the different platforms we're using and the gaming world like to have that next level and that world of imagination is is really exciting and, and limitless. And I actually... I knew we were going to chat this morning and I know from a toy perspective, we had a conversation before we got onto this around um, marketing of brands and toys and who started where. So i watched a documentary about He-Man a couple of years ago where I discovered that He-Man was created as an animation because they wanted to sell toys. Um, and obviously the Barbie movie came out recently, which was reinvigorating mm. this whole um notion with like the idea of Barbie playing with Barbie what Barbie should look like and I haven't seen hadn't seen the movie until this morning so I sat Mm. there and watched it and I'm looking at it going oh my god like this is one of the lines in there was about you know the woman who created it wanting to allow kids to have that imagination and to be able to play and do whatever they wanted with this rigid plastic doll, which at the time was really innovative and different and not like your kind of like China face doll that you could pick up at the store, but instead something that was malleable, you could change the costumes, you could do that. And you think, you know, like how that was the kind of like the big thing back then. And now we're creating these kind of digital magical limitless worlds um where not only we can use our imagination but we can actually see what we're imagining and creating it's just 
absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, and, and I saw it like one. I suppose one perspective I have is like when shows. It's it. I suppose it's part of like the the roadmap, right? Like when you make something, you need to figure out how it's gonna self sustain itself and monetize itself, right? And so, like when people make a show, um, I suppose like it could be like ten years down the line. Uh, or it could be like you know usually like the show is created by like the artist which is like I just want to make a show and I want to I want to like I want to like have people have emotional reactions to it and that's what I want and then when they come to like making the show they're like oh you need to actually have like a whole you know commercial aspect to it and then they hire like the commercial person and they're like well yeah you, you what you could do is you create these characters and then they can become like toys and the toys will sell and so on and so forth right and so like my perspective on it is is for like especially for creators is that really focus on like the creative and the emotional response side of things like what are you trying to make like it's 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 a lot a lot of people just like see that something's making money right and then they'll be like I want to do that mm-hmm. and like you come at it from the wrong perspective I think personally obviously some people can make it work but I think you come at it in the wrong perspective rather if you're really trying to tell a genuine story try to engage as many people as possible then whatever comes after will come as long as you get the core audience like a lot of and like i feel like youtube is like a great example of that like you know you have people who talk about being like productivity like someone who literally their whole channel is how they take notes in their book right mm-hmm. and how they how they plan it how they strategize it and like that's their whole channel and like you would think there would not be many people who watch that, but they've got hundreds of thousands of people that watch that. And, you know, and they, they obviously created that channel purely because that's what they wanted to do and that's what they're good at. And they have like an angle on that. And now what that person can do is create their own journal and sell their own journal to their fans, right? And there's a monetization model there. But like, yeah, with all creators, I think, or something that you're creating, always go in with a idea of the fact that you're doing it for yourself and like what you really want out of it which is kind of the emotional response and like the connection and engagement is the main thing and then like then the toys will come but then you said you're saying he-man did it did it for the toys so there's also the other yeah. there's also the other way around of doing it as well and it does work um, but i suppose my yeah. personal opinion is like always go with the, the the sort of the core story first and then commercial after yeah, and I think you know you're like I, I was really shocked by the He-Man thing, and I think a lot of people were, which is why this documentary was so fascinating. Mm-hmm. But even if as a a blogger vlogger, you know, I'm not saying I was kind of like on any massive scale, but just like as a hobbyist, you know, I used to get sent products all the time. Like I had like you know, um, athleisure wear. I had Sylvanian family sent to me. I got sent to a spa weekend to do stuff. And I literally had like this teeny weeny blog um, because that's where the industry was just kind of like emerging. Whereas I see people now with their channels and it's very um, ad after ad after ad. And I'm like, I can see you're trying to kind of like fund your family's exciting travels and do these amazing things. But I don't, that really turns me off. I really want to kind of like see the truth in something. And I really want to see people saying hashtag not an ad actually I just really love this um mm. because I think that's that to me is more interesting whereas if we've got something that's a bit more long term in a partnership and you can see that authenticity and there is you know a real connection between the influencer and the product it makes so much more sense I mean I know we used to work with um uh, DC Comics for example and they had lots of people who did the kind of cosplay stuff and they were just so excited to be part of everything um, and that really really works but equally looking at the, talking about the gaming side of things we worked for a skincare brand at one point and they were just like you know we need to get this product so out to all these beauty bloggers and we were like actually can we flip this on its head because they're saturated with product Mm -hmm. and you're just going to be another product in that mix how about we look at people with skincare issues or challenges or you know different things that are going on in their life that they may need this product more than a beauty blogger and so we talked to people who were um into sports 
skiing so like things like cold weather that are kind of affecting their skin um and gamers because they're in they their vitamin d is kind of really lacking or they're there or they're staying up all night so they've got bags under their eyes Mm. and gamers have huge platforms and so you know from an exposure perspective and the oh my god you want to talk to me kind of effect it was so lovely to be able to see that happen um and so i think it's really interesting right now as you know watching the kind of parenting uh influencers and seeing how they're kind of approaching everything and what's what are they doing are they trying to be the person who brings out the next big book are they just trying to find ways to cope with being a parent um and how long is kind of the whole influencer model sustainable because it has changed and it is so mature now it's um it's a really interesting turning point for sure yeah i think with with in, with influencer side one thing i would say around that is now it's much easier to find people who are genuinely interested in your product just because more people are creating their own content and yes they're not like there's just how it like the pyramid works right like there's only a few like really big super influential influencers that you give them anything and it will do great but then that sort of more i suppose saturated area where it's like micro to nano to maybe like mid-level creators so like i'm saying like people with like a thousand followers to like a hundred and fifty thousand followers um like that that group there's more people now that you can find that are genuinely in, interested in your product now and, and of course like, as a product person or someone who's making a product like hopefully and you know this isn't the case all the time because there's always just like a market opportunity and then people take the opportunity right but if you're making a product you're making it for someone and like someone does need it so for a requirement and so there are definitely people who are fans of that requirement and want to find that requirement. So there's definitely like influencers you can find within that. And then once you find that, it's like a match made in heaven and like the content is like perfect. And there's no, there's like, it's so like less, like less of a headache because it just sounds better. It just feels better. It feels organic. Although it's an ad, it's more organic and straight from like the soul, right? And like they're genuinely interested in the product. So, and that, that always does better. Um, of of course and like i think that's the goal with all influencer content that's what everyone wants to do um it's just finding the right people and it, it and sometimes you do need like that mass awareness and you have to send it to the rock you know you have to get the rock to shout, shout about on his instagram sometimes but i think <laughs> using that budget more tactically uh, is is might, might be better. like I, I just wanted to pick out one thing that you said what you did and you went for gamers instead of like the classic which i think is such a like, clever move because i remember reading this like study from oh, i forget his name i think it's like peter field or les Bennett maybe um and it's, it's called the long and short of it I yeah so like i like i might be butchering this because it's like a very long study but from what i took away from it the core um, the core thing is they basically tracked data over like many, many years and all these different data points um, outside of sort of like the vanity stuff and sales and things like that. And basically what they said was it's every brand, when they do a marketing campaign, um, has like the, the group of people that they need, they want to target, right? Which is like the people who are most likely to buy your product, right? So let's just take, for example, say you're selling a collectible and you t- you make a marketing uh, campaign for the co- for your collectibles fan, fan group. So say there's a hundred thousand of those people, right? And so what they say is, rather than targeting them, because those guys are going to buy your stuff anyway, they're going to find it anyway. You're better off just targeting someone new, like what you guys did, like the gamers, right? They had that need though, and I think that's that's where like the strategic mind comes into, which is like find that need and then make sure you target correctly in that sense but always target like a new group of audience or new audience segment because there's more upside in that audience segment and more like i suppose new customers to come into your business and you know the lifetime value of those customers will be much better you know add on to the lifetime value that you already have and so the data showed that companies or brands that did sort of long-term new customer benefited like 10 times more than like all the brands that do the Black Friday deals, that do the you know, the Christmas deals and the Christmas offers or they want to quickly sell through like a quick toy or 
things like that um, to everyone rather than like being very strategic about it. And so I've like whoever's watching, that's like a really, really good read. Um, definitely for like um, pulling together like marketing campaigns and how to segment your audiences and things like that. That's amazing. Yeah, I, do, I will go and order myself that as a Christmas gift. Um, I wanted to, the last thing I wanted to touch on with you was about kind of like the trend in kids television, uh, which is very much focused around creating a family viewing situation and using TV to really kind of like bring families together and learn from different perspectives, whether it's the child or the adult. So in my household, Bing and Bluey are huge. And I, my little girl, don't get scared. She was at nursery <laughs> and she tripped and fell on her wrist and she chipped her wrist. So she had to have a cast. Mm. But I brought her home and I knew I'd seen an episode of Bing where Bing had to put his arm in a cast. And so we watched that on loop for about half an hour, just kind of like seeing when she and she's looking at it and looking at the TV and kind of like making sense of it. And just kind of like using those tools to be able to say, this is a real life situation. This is how we deal with it. Um, and in Bing, so for anybody who doesn't know who Bing is, he's a bunny and he's got a, a caregiver because I'm never quite sure what the relationship is between Flop and Bing. Um, and Flop is so calm and considered and thoughtful with his language. And it's made me really check myself when I'm like talking to my daughter and go, how can I talk, deal with this situation? Um, so do you think Froggy really likes lettuce or grapes? Or do you think he might like to eat something else rather than frogs don't like grapes, Bing? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and Bluey has got humour and stuff in it. It's, yeah. How, how have you kind of experienced that from your perspective? Obviously not yet with the, your little one, but with families and stuff. Yeah, I suppose, like, in, in terms of, like, you know, like, we just take Bluey, for example, like, the person who wrote that and created that wrote it in such a way where it's, like, all the daddy characters, all the dad characters are just kind of, like, not necessarily how dads really are, um, like how their relationship is with their kids, especially in modern day. Like, he, for example, he didn't relate with Daddy Pig, for example, and from Peppa Pig. So what he did was he wrote Bluey, right? And, he wrote, like, you know, Bluey's dad is, like, such a funny character in the show as well, right? Like, he's his own character. And I think the parents are quite interesting to watch as a parent as well. Because you're like, oh, my God, like, I do that. That's a funny scenario. I wonder what I would do. And I think Bluey has, like, captured that family co-viewing experience perfectly. Like, whenever I hear other parents talk about what they were watching or whatever, they will say, oh, I can watch Bluey all day long. Like, if my kid wants to watch that, they can watch that. Whereas, like, if it's something else, they're like, mm, I don't, I don't really like watching that with them. And it's like the family co-viewing experience is such an important thing, right? Because you, as you said, you looked at Flop, right, and like how Flop speaks to Bing, and you see that connection your daughter had with Bing, and so you want to be, I suppose, better in the way you communicate through watching that. And that's a kids show. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. for a parent, but you know the writers and like the people over at Akuma wrote it in such a way so that parents may see that and like connect with that. And like, I, I think that's really, really interesting. And like Bluey does that like to a T. Uh, and like for me, like my personal experience, obviously my daughter's only seven months and she kind of does see the TV and she looks at things and she's like, oh, that's pretty cool. And it's like, we really connect over Sing. I don't know if you know that movie, Sing. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like. I absolutely love that film. It's officially my top one film, um, and so we always watch that together. And like, it comes on, and she gets really excited. Like, you can like when that comes on, you can see her mood change and like how she's like reacting to the screen. And she's like seven months, right? Um, and then obviously, what what I found interesting around that was it's it's a movie for kids, really. Um, but Sing Two was due on Netflix at the end of November. Mm -hmm. And me, I was counting down the days until that came out on, <laughs> on Netflix. And so what I took away from that is like using those sort of movies as case studies is like studying them to understand like how well they've done co-viewing and like how important co-viewing is. Because like parents do hold the keys to like the TV remote for most, for most, for the most part. Um, I can't wait until the time where I lose that uh, privilege. But like studying those films are really, really important. And I think for me, the first ever 
thing that I remember, and I'm sure it would have been before this as well, for like Shrek. Like Shrek was the the original um, sort of cult viewing experience. Right? The kids will watch it and they'll be like, oh, it's like a story about a king and a queen and a princess. And then whereas like for the for the adult, it's like oh, Shrek is like hilarious and he hates Donkey and and like the the little friendships that they have and all the characters making their little jokes that sort of go over the kid's head. But like the parents are like, ah, oh, that's yeah. really funny. And so I think cold viewing is super, super important, especially around like, you know, Christmas period when everyone's at home watching stuff together. Uh, and like, it's important to win the buy-in of the parents because at the end of the day, there are shows, I won't name anything right now, but like there are things where parents really do not like that their kids watch it, but they have to because their kids love oh. it. But that will only last so long. Yeah no it's it's a beautiful thing and it's so nice to be able to have that time and it's also nice for parents to be able to sit down and go I can sit on the sofa for five minutes and we can watch this together rather than oh yeah. my god what are you doing now don't spill that with you or something. Yeah. <laughs> um seeing I think works really well because the 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 songs are so in tune with stuff that we're listening to and yeah. that for the kids it's just like fun and entertaining but we can relate to those and uh, my number one fun thing to do um, that I did earlier this year was go to a baby rave uh, oh. called Big Fish, Little Fish. And okay. you can take kids as young as like six months and they play old school, like raves, like and house and hot dance tunes and whilst having bubbles and balloons and like some foam and everything else <laughs> like that. And it was Brilliant. all the kids loved it because it was like a giant party experience all the adults loved it because they were going oh my god yes I remember this tune <laughs> and oh, so hilarious. yeah I think anything where you kind of like have that duality and bring co-experiences um together you both get stuff out of it um and it's Anamartha talks a lot about you know being the best parent you can to your kids that you also need stuff for yourself and I think these co-parenting experiences, like that is, it's not exclusively what she's saying, but it does kind of like dovetail into the, you're you're still doing it for you as much as you're doing it for them. And therefore you both benefit from it. So um, yeah, I love that kind of parenting. Well, look, it's been so lovely chatting to you today and getting to know more about your work and your kind of like your parenting journey. And I can't wait to see how your little girl grows up and, and how you become an even more wonderful dad. Um, I always ask my guests, what would you say to complete this sentence? And the sentence is, for the love of kids, dot, dot, dot. So I think... It should be for the love of kids. Just listen to them. That's it. Listen to kids. For the love of kids, listen to kids. They are so wise. As adults, we go through so many layers of life and, you know, stereotypes, this, that, and the other, whatever. Kids are just like, they've just just got one vision for life and just being happy and playing. And so listen to kids because they are the yeah they're the best they're so wise they're so wise in 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 what they what they are I love that there is just such an innocence and a truth with whatever they're saying isn't there I have one nephew and like he is very good at just like cutting through the bs when it comes to like like a moment and then he would say something like but mommy why why that and then it's everyone's just like yeah why why that you know like it's just yeah. Just straight up, you know, and rather than it being like around all these other things, like, but why? I think kids are really, really good at that, and like listening to them is super important. And yeah, and and let's just all like be more kid, you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. I will leave you with one last little anecdote about me and my little girl, which was um, thinking about the innocence of of what they're saying today at nursery. It's Christmas dinner day. Mm-hmm. She's never had a proper Christmas dinner because she slept through the last one and she wasn't on solids the year before. So um, I'm trying to explain it to her on the way to nursery and also thinking, well, I'm I'm also pescatarian. So we don't have like a like a traditional roast. And like, what do I say? So I said, oh, it's like your most favorite food, like a really good food that like everybody celebrates with. She went, oh, chips. 
If you want chips for Christmas dinner, we'll do chips for Christmas dinner. <laughs> I love that. Chips is amazing. I love chips. Yeah. Oh, oh one thing I wanted to just, like, like end on as well, I suppose, is like I've been speaking about parenthood and parenting and so on and so forth. But like the real hero in all of this is like my wife, like amazing human being. And like, you know, it takes a lot of the weight as well because like she's off for the year. And obviously I'm I'm still working and stuff, but like, yeah, like shout out to her. All mums deserve a, a very good rap, but good dads are <laughs> few and far between. So keep doing what you're doing and like support yes. wherever you can. Um, she's amazing. How are you? <laughs> awesome, awesome. I'll tell her that. <laughs> well, yeah, really lovely chatting to you and uh, wishing you the very best first Christmas with your little girl. Have such an amazing time and um yeah let's chat again soon awesome thank you very much take care thank you for having me